Hello, this is Self Obsessed. I am Jeff Grace, comedian, filmmaker, and self improvement obsessive. And we have our first out of network guest, Aaron Hayes. Hi. Hey, Aaron, how are you doing? I'm good. Hi. Uh, you are an actor. It's true. And a writer. Yes. Any other, a mother. And a mother. And a, a, and a wife. Mother, lover, friend. <laughs> mother, lover, friend. Mother, lover, friend, wife. And um, we, you and I met mm-hmm. on a movie called It's a Disaster. Yes, everybody go and watch it now. Back of the day. Yeah, now available on Hulu. Hulu for free. I heard that. That's yeah, that's fantastic. Big. That's big. When you give the product away for free, it gets very popular. Yeah. It's a Disaster is one of those movies that like I legitimately have no qualms about recommending to friends. Yeah. Because it is a not a – I've done some stuff where I'm like, it starts a little slow. Or like, mm-hmm. you know, I think there's some really – it's a little this or it's a little that. But this, I, I'm always like, no, watch it. It's good. Yeah, it's I, I think that – I like that. That one, uh, that one stands the test of time. Yeah. My uh, buddy Todd Berger yeah. wrote, directed it. I actually produced it. Too. I know. Just give myself a, and my buddy Kevin produced it. Yeah. And then Blaze, my mm-hmm. friend, our friend, played your husband. Yeah. Um, and then for those of you who don't know Erin, you may have seen her on such shows as Children's Hospital. Sure. What was your character's name again? Dr. Lola Spratt. Very good. Um, more well, recently, <laughs> Kevin Can Wait. Yes. Donna, R.I.P. Uh, she's dead. She, she's we'll dead. talk about that later. Yeah. Uh, guys with Kids. Yeah. Uh, new show coming up. Is it out? Dangerous. It's not. Oh, Dangerous Book for Boys was on Amazon. I don't believe that's coming back. It was but, like Brian, uh, Cranston Brian Cranston produced, produced it. that. A little name drop. Uh, I, I remember watching you on Parenthood. Ooh. Weren't you like, didn't you play uh, a woman that, the that who's the jock guy on the show? Uh, Sam. He had an affair kind of. He, an emotional Oh, affair? it was um, Joel and Julia. Those were the character names. And he was kind of staying at home, taking care of the kids while Erica Christensen's character was off working sam yeager that's who played sam yeager yes and i was like you know our kids were friends and i'm like the hippy dippy uh mom that kind of has a crush on him and pushes it a little too far pushes it a little too and just like parenthood it it was an emotional affair a devastating emotional affair and then what else? What else? And then you're doing a Netflix series, which you started telling me about, and then I yeah, to you. I'm doing a Netflix series called Huge in France that we're shooting now. Uh, we just started this week, and it'll I, I don't know maybe February, okay. maybe March. Who knows? We've honestly just started shooting, so but you shoot the whole season. Shoot the whole season. So we're doing eight episodes. It's with the French comedian Gad Elmaleh, who is literally huge in France, um, and it's kind of his story. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So I play his, like, uh, very Los Angeles ex, who is the mother of his, of a 15-year-old with him. So he kind of comes back to get back in our lives because he doesn't approve of our son being a model. He's a male model? He's a male model. What, how does yeah. the mom, how do you feel about that? Oh, I am all for it. I want oh, him, like, okay. his brand. I'm super L.A. So, like, we are just all about modeling and our brand. And getting the IG and going. Get, yes. And snaps. Yes. Um, it's fun. It's fun to play that kind of uh, character, and especially on Netflix series where you don't have to hear the notes. Like, can we make her a little bit more likable? Hey, can we make the, she, you know, the bitch character? Can we make yeah. her more likable? Can you uh, soften up a bitch? It's <laughs> one of my specialties. Soften, soften up a bitch and uh, make a wacky male character lovable to an audience. <laughs> because I love him, don't you? 
Yeah, you have a history of playing, um, I think, the wife or girlfriend of a, of a guy that in real life, I think people would be like, her? With him? Well, I don't, I mean, I have one distinct role that is very much that, but um, there are the ones of just like the misbehave, the trope of the misbehaving man, but the sensible woman who loves him, who is the audience's way in right. to loving him, because if she can, then everybody can, you know, right. like she, she grounds him. Right. Yeah. The man should be irresponsible, float free throughout life. And then the woman yeah. kind of has to be. Yeah. She's smart. She's funny. She's reasonable. She's a good mother for sure. Mm-hmm. Like you can't, oh, yeah. you know, uh, she can't make mistakes in like the parenting department. Uh, yeah. Is there, <laughs> this is a very particular character. Well, this is like, because I mean, you've done a ton of network TV for the most. I mean, up until this point, now it seems like you're branching out into things like Adult Swim. and But like you're kind of staple it seems like over the years was like kind of the network tv yeah yeah Um, for sure and then you've done cooler things like i think it seems like you're doing more kind of well i think that's i think not just you but everyone's getting opportunities to do different kinds of characters different kinds of yeah for sure i you know i have been lucky enough um to get a lot of work on network tv and it's and like i'm kind of like a first season queen like Mm -hmm. (laughs) i'll do six episodes of something and it's everybody's really excited about right. it and then it just doesn't hit and there's no second season uh, I've done that a lot I have other well, than because we yeah. were talking before we started I was like I, I was because I think your career is really interesting and, and one of the reasons I wanted to have you as a guest is that you're probably someone that everyone recognizes yeah, but I'm you're, like, but you're like that level below what I would call like famous yeah for sure nobody knows people that recognize me are like are you on did we go to school? Do you go to my gym? <laughs> uh, I'm that level of famous, but I'm a work, you know, or people are like, oh, you're the girl from the thing. Yeah. Um, like if you're a children's hospital fan, you might get like an obsessive fan be like, oh my God, uh, like, yeah. you're so funny. Um, but you're, yeah, so you're, it's, but so that's the hardest career to have, I think, right? Because you're, if you're famous, then offers and scripts just roll in day long. Yeah. Um, I'm not like the, it's interesting because you keep thinking, I, well, I'm just trying to figure out how to describe this. I feel like I have stepped on every rung of the ladder mm-hmm. to get to this particular rung that I'm on. And I'm not unhappy with where I'm at. I work yeah. and it's like a 50-50 scenario. 50% of the stuff I do gets offered and 50% I have to like kill seven other actresses right. to get um, or just like hustle hard. And it's it's a weird it's a weird balance of that because sometimes you're hustling to get the thing that you're like, this thing, this thing is not an offer, well, it's sort of but like this other one is like, like the it lower doesn't, the, maybe even lower the pay you have to fight harder for sometimes. Right. hundred percent. Cause it's like, that's the, the artsy Sundancey or like kind of acclaimed film thing. Yeah. And you haven't done that. So they're like, well, I don't, I don't know. She's never done this role. Yeah. So then you have to really fight and, audition and yeah. prove it right. hundred percent. And every time there's something that feels like, oh, this job, we're going to skip a couple rungs of this ladder doesn't hit the way everybody thinks it's going to hit. Yeah. And then you're like, just there hanging out at it again. Well, when I moved to town, which is now almost 12 years ago, maybe 13 yeah. years ago, um, the show Worst Week was the pilot that everyone was like, People Worst are bananas week. for that. I mean, I've never seen, it was like basically like this show will be on for 15 years and every single critic said it, every kind of industry publication said it. 
And it was you, and I forget the your Kyle Bornheimer. Name. And it was really funny. It was really funny. It was CBS, right? It was CBS at a time when it was a single camera CBS comedy at a time mm. when they did not have a single other single camera CBS comedy, which is, I mean, if people are listening and they don't know the difference, single camera comedy is basically shot like a movie, and a multi cam comedy is Cheers, where you have a live studio audience and uh, a bunch of cameras. Um, and there's a laugh track. And there's a laugh. Did your show have a laugh track though? No. No, yeah. that's what I'm okay. saying. Uh, Worst Week was a single camera comedy yeah. when everything else on CBS was all sitcoms. Which so, is hard to believe, but like 12 years ago, single cam was like not really the thing. Maybe it wasn't The Office the, was out just the, yeah, at that point. Yeah, but, but that's it, about it. CBS yeah. didn't have it. Yeah. And so if you don't have anything that kind of lines up with the viewing audience and what they want to watch, and then they thought they were doing us this big favor of putting us on after, I think, The Big Bang Theory. Which but everything looks keep, terrible after right, the Big Bang right, right. Theory. Like they get numbers that are through the roof, and so we had the greatest and the time show is making totally, it. Completely different. Completely different. Um, no, it wasn't that. It was Two and a Half Men. That's what it was. So we were yeah. this sweet family comedy that was very much based in farce and him, you know, in some turn of events like losing all of his clothes or right. spilling spilling hot tea on a priest's lap or something like it was farcical and we were on after a joke after a show that made jokes about like pearl necklaces and prison right. rape and stuff right. and it just wasn't it's not the same audience yeah and i think well and also at a time when the networks were falling fast i mean yeah. so every show to them every show was not a hit now, 10 years looking back, they'd probably kill to have the ratings that you guys have. Yeah, we have like 10 million viewers every yeah. week. Which, I mean, no show has. That. I mean, that's like that's like Big Bang Theory numbers yeah, now. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but that, so that, what we were talking about was like, it's sort of, I think there's uh, levels of success in like the entertainment industry or any creative field yeah. where it's like, you finally think you're at the place where it's all going to get easy. Yeah. And then it's almost that much harder when you're done. Yeah, I, I had a moment years ago where I went to an audition for an indie film. And I look at the sign-in where all the actresses sign in and ahead of me, like two people had been, Deborah Messing had signed in. Mm. And I called a friend afterwards on the way home and I was like, Deborah Messing was there before me. And she was like, oh my God, you got to audition for the same thing Deborah Messing did? And I said, you're not getting me. <laughs> She's still auditioning. Yeah. Like yeah. this was post Will and Grace. Like Will and Grace had just ended and she's still, and I'm like, if you don't know what Deborah Messing is going to do at this point, like, if you want her, offer her the part, do we, will it never end? Yeah. And I think the answer is no, no. it will never end. I mean, unless you yeah. become, but even then, like, I mean, I'll give you a good example. Like, I am a director, more of a director yeah. now. And there'll be actors that are super, super famous, but like, I'll, maybe I have a script out there and you'll, they'll be like, their agent will call like, hey, will you meet with so-and-so in a role? And I'm like, for for the role of this this like movie that I just wrote, and they're like, yeah, I'm like, well, he's not right for that. And they're like, do you mind if you just talk to them? And I'm like, well, I'm embarrassed because like it's not I no matter how famous they are, it would be a wrong fit. But at the same time, you I, I go, but who am I to like not want to meet with this person? And I'm almost embarrassed that I'd have to say no to someone who's so overqualified. But because everyone, you know, because it's yeah. often the same thing. Like, well, he wants to show that he's not a tough you know, badass. He wants to show that he's a loving dad. And you're like, well, was it Vin Diesel? I, it, was Vin, <laughs> it was Vin Diesel. It was Vin Diesel. Um, yeah, I get that. It's yeah. 
I get both sides of it. That's the thing. You know, thinking about the movie that I wrote, it's like, oh, well, would that person be good at this? Mm -hmm. And of course you would want to have them come in and read. And and the other side of it of like, no, that person is just not the right fit. Or, or they won't read. A lot of times someone that like is like, well, they want to be in your movie, but they will never, never audition because that would be humiliating or something, which is understandable. But that's why yeah. there is so much. That's which why you always are going to have to kind of hustle. Yeah. If you want to keep pushing yourself creatively. It's interesting. The most fun, creative things I've done have usually been in between other bigger network things. Yeah. Um, like Children's Hospital, we always shot for six weeks a year, either over Christmas or over summer, you know, and it was in between other, they would right. just grab whoever was available in between other gigs and you'd try to carve out. And that's almost out. like indie film budgets -ish. Oh, it was tiny yeah. budget. Yeah. Nobody was making any money on that show and nobody had, it's interesting now too, to see trying to deal with contracts for streaming shows and mm. they want all this exclusivity, but no one wants to pay you. Right. And Children's Hospital had the great model of, Whoever is available will make the show work with them that season. So you'd lose somebody for a season, they'd come back for the next season, but right. they had no exclusivity that, you know. Right. And everybody continued to want to be on the show. Everybody was like, you were devastated if some contract held you back from being on one season of that show. Right. And you might have to, you know, you might have a contract in a show that's like, all right, this will help pay our mortgage this year. Mm. So maybe, all right, I can't do Children's Hospital, but I also need to pay the bills. And everyone understands yeah, at Children's Hospital. Um, yeah, so I mean, I always because I, I think of your careers like in sort of like you know what like Kevin uh, can wait like was sort of like you know you had a whole season there. Yeah, you're about to move your family to yeah. New York, right? Yeah, no, we had it was like we all said goodbye at the last taping. Goodbye, season two. We already had season two. We were so so excited. We had rented an apartment in New York. My husband quit his job. Uh, the, we had a, found a school, you know, got an apartment in the school district we wanted. And I think I started paying Were rent. you guys going to live in New York City? We were going to live in Brooklyn and Cobble Hill. Oh, um, cool. Yeah, it was the kind of like apartment that only a network paycheck made. <laughs> right, it didn't make right, any right. sense. Because there was one moment when I got fired and I was like, should we just go? And we're like, we can't afford that. <laughs> um, I think I started paying rent on June 1st and got fired on June 2nd. And to say you got fired, you got yeah. fired. I mean, fired is a strong word. I mean, I guess you got fired. but I, the, got, fired. I got legit fired. You got legit fired? Yeah, man. Well, they no killed. They, did they, yes, did they no use more. the term you're fired? No, they, they didn't. They, they said, said, what did they say? Like, we, I think we're going to go a different direction. They <laughs> said, uh, it was my manager that told me, who said, um, I have some shocking news is you're not coming back next season. Mm. I was like, what do you, you what like do the you show's mean? Canceled? What do you mean? I'm the wife. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Uh, For yeah. the people so in the that. audience that don't know, so Kevin Can Wait was the Kevin James CBS, TV, CBS show yeah. last year. And it was successful. Yeah. Yeah. And then it seemed like what happened was they wanted to repair him with his on-screen wife from King of Queens. Yeah. Whose name I always screw up, but it's like Leah Remini. That's exactly what it is. Sorry, I probably should have hacked yeah. the name just to make you feel better. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was just awkward all, all the way around. Because also it's like, oh, look, my wife from a previous TV series. Well, it's not, I mean, it's only awkward. I never talked to anybody. Nobody mm. ever called me. Right. So it, it was just confusing. So this is the only information that came through a manager and that was Yeah. It. Okay. Um, and then like phone tag with some producers and then after a while I was like, Meh, I'm good. Um, 
But the good news was you actually, I remember because at the time you got like the Brian Cranston show almost like the day after or something. That's the thing that felt like whatever getting fired is sad. Obviously that was not the job for me because they wanted to do this other thing. So whatever it's, uh, it's all good. And then, and then I got to do this show that was so wonderful and lovely for right. six episodes. And it was also in New York, like Kevin can wait filmed in New York. And I thought I was going back. So, and then I wasn't. And so, but I got this other job that filmed for two months in New York. So I could at least like get my stuff, yeah. kind of say goodbye to that <laughs> East coast experience, come back home. And I'm super thankful to Kevin can wait for that season because you know, we, we bought a super fixer upper house and we needed to renovate it. So like right. we got, you know, it's like every once in a while, the paycheck job, the house we're in now. Yeah. Yeah. Which is you good. know? Yeah. Thank you. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's the, and so when you get that kind of news, I mean, yeah. you are one of the more, I'd say, uh, even keeled kind of persons. Like, I mean, were you pretty devastated? Was it, I mean, were, I mean, were, yeah, I mean, no, yeah. I was devastated. I was shocked. Cause it is like hurt. a career change. Like, it, so for like people that don't know the TV business, if you can be in a series with like someone like a Kevin James, it's got a good chance of going like five seasons. And once that happens, you never really have to work again. That's kind of the drill. Yeah, you couldn't. Or yeah, yeah. yeah. There's this promise of this like bounty, you know, yeah. or and honestly, when we got a second season, I was like, oh, my God, you guys, I've never had a second season before. Right. You know, this is happening. OK, all right. I can like settle into a job. Right. And then it was like, nope. Uh, so it was, it was very devastating, but I think it was devastating for the reasons of that it's, it's been a consistent in this industry. It's Mm. that thing of, nope, not you, you're not good enough. We're going a different direction. Right. Uh, it's just more rejection. So I think I was, or I was, I don't think I know I was more hurt because of the rejection than I was. The, like if loss the show got canceled, of, you might be less offended. A hundred percent. Yeah. Because then it was just the show didn't work. But it was like, wait, the show is going on? Yeah. Only you just don't want me? Right. That was more hurtful to me. And it could be something like maybe the show was a little on a bubble or they felt like they were insecure about, yeah. you know, oh, maybe if we bring back that former girl from that other show that was the big head. Yeah, who knows the reasoning? I honestly think it probably didn't have that much to do with me personally. But like everything, you know, you've been on the other side of casting. When if you have five people that are wonderful, four of them don't get the job. It's not because you think they're not good. It's that. It's often the person, it's often very little, often the best audition is not the person you cast. Meaning like, oh, that was the best actor, but because she has blonde hair and that girl has blonde hair and they look the same. It just doesn't, it will be It doesn't weird. work, right? Yeah. Um, I, I think it wasn't until I started directing that I realized that it is so much of just like, I mean, ideally, you know, as an actor, if you go in and you don't screw up the audition, then we're just kind of picking colors from a palette. And it, yeah, it's, I'm kind of blown away by how often it's like, oh, the three best actors were just not the right type of person. It's not the right type of person. And then those three yeah. actors leave the room. And I, as a director, I'll make an effort to like, particularly if someone's really good and just more for selfish reasons, I want to work with them again. I'll be like, hey, like, just so you know, like we went a different direction, but I thought you were awesome. But like, that's, but that's nice. pretty, even I'll it's get busy and forget do to do that. Yeah. Or I'll like, oh, I'll put it on my list of things to do. And then it's like two months later, like, that feels weird to like. Yeah. So I don't feel like I'm rubbing their nose in or something. Um, but 
Yeah, and it, but I do think it's hard not to take it personally. And, and then also, on another level, there's probably like actresses listening to this show that are like, well, I would kill to have the Aaron Hayes career where you have a TV show every year. And well, Here's right? the thing. I'm very happy with where yeah. I'm at. Everybody, but whatever level you're at, you're kind of looking to see, all right, well, what's the what's the next level? What gets me? Like, my thing is, like, I just want to be viable option for yeah. people to be, honestly, just friend number three in a movie. Right. Um, but I understand it's an algorithm. Like, yeah. at a certain level, it's an algorithm. Like, how much money does this person bring to this film? Right. Uh, you know, or I would love to one of these days have a show where it's about my character. Yeah. Um, to be a number one on the call sheet. Like, that's something I aspire to in my yeah. life and in my career. And something I think you could very much handle. I mean, you know, I feel, I feel like you... Because we've worked together and, like, also we, like, were a situation where we actually saw you on Children's Hospital. We didn't need to audition. And you're like, oh, no, she's hilarious. Great. She's great. Um, but also, like, by chance, like, what if I, we had never seen Children's Hospital? Or what if, you know, this, there's so much of this stuff that... Um, yeah, you never... It's, it's out of really your control. really by chance. It is. It's out of your control. And so, like, finding content... It's a weird balance between being happy with what you have and... Sh- making strives to get to where you want to be without shitting on where you are, you know? Right. Like, yes, want to do the next thing, work towards the next thing, but but be happy now is right. that is a weird place that most people in the entertainment industry and probably a lot of industries sit in quite often. Right. No, I think that I think that's right. And I think I mean I the reason I wanted to have you on the show is I think like you seem to have really figured out how to balance it all. Amy, Sometimes Lisa looks like it from the outside. because <laughs> um, you have like, you know, two awesome kids, you have uh, uh you know, I know your husband Jack, you guys seem to really ha- have a great marriage. Um but I you know, and, and I think like I was always curious like as someone that doesn't have kids, would like to have kids at some yeah. point. Like how like and and then this show is sort of about self improvement and and sort of yeah. organization and things like that. Like like so, what do you like? What are like first of all, what's your like relationship with like self help books and self improvement stuff? Are you like a naturally organized person? Do you are you someone that just kind of naturally kind of has it all figured out, or do you oh, have to God. work really hard at it? Or? Um, I don't work really hard at it, but I have a weird background in that my dad was one of the first. Um, EST trainers, if you know what that yeah. is. So EST was like the first self-help seminar Isn't in the a 70s. On There's Netflix, a, yeah, right? it was a Werner Earhart created yeah. EST and it was the first like self-help seminars in the 70s. And so my dad was one of the first trainers for that and led these six-day courses and three-day courses. And it was like people pushing their limits and they were confronting their bullshit and learning. And now... There is something called the Forum, which bought Est, and it's the same material. I have material. about that. Once uh-huh. I hope you're living your most authentic life. Um, <laughs> Be careful so, if someone uh, invites you to a Tuesday night. Uh, spe- do you want to see a speaker on Tuesday night? Yeah, do you want to see a speaker? Can you come to my graduation? Um, <laughs> it's very interesting because so this is all like how I was brought up is you, you create your own reality. So you're like and your dad's you, primary job. And is he fully drinking the Kool-Aid? Like this is the way life you need to do it? Or is he There's is no he one way. It's no, he's not cynical about it because it worked for him. I mean, I'm a little cynical about that whole world because I think it 
can really help people, but there's a high you get when you go to these seminars. You get super high and you get really focused and your life is working and it's like it's like a diet, you know, where you right. get super in shape and everything is fantastic and then you slowly, real life comes in and you don't keep up with the habits and then you're hooked and then you need to go to the next seminar and get high again. It's sort and of a crash it's, diet. You know, it's a crash <clears throat> diet. So, and I am wary of anything that has people constantly looking in and not because I think it can create this. It can create people that are really self-obsessed, that are very yeah. egotistical and they're only about their own. Like, it's just moderation. That's what I'm. Yeah. But I got enough of that when I was a kid, I think. You know, Were there with the way my because like I've huh. done, so I went to the landmark forum, which is is that's it, what it is, like, yeah, yeah, that's what it is. So I didn't, but I had two different times in my life where one was a I was working in advertising and a sales rep who had just the weekend before taken me to a Bulls finals game with okay. Michael Jordan. Stop bragging, God, thank you. You were in sales, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I was a high powered sales. I wasn't in sales. I was working in media at an ad agency. But this woman who had just taken me to a Michael Jordan game was like, hey. And she was like trying to get our business for Altoids, which is a client I had at the time. And um, they had a lot of print. And uh, and so she's like, hey, do you want to see a speaker on Tuesday night? Mm. And, do you know, like it sounds like something. I felt like it was that something I should know about. So I was like, oh, yeah, speakers. Um, I'm thinking in my mind, like Colin Powell. Yeah. Well, like, who? Uh, what? like, I don't know, Tony. I mean, who? Yeah. Who, but like, did not out of fear of sounding not smart. I just said, "Oh yeah, I love I love seeing speakers," <laughs> and thinking like, "This is the one that just took me to see like a Bulls finals game." Yeah. So we go, and she starts kind of caveating things. She's like, "Just so you know, there's gonna be like a lot of people talking," and this is like, so as far as I can tell, Landmark Forum is a four day seminar, mm-hmm. and at the final day, Tuesday, you graduate. They graduate. And then that's really a huge recruitment tool. That, you, that you're asked to invite all your friends to come and support you. You have, In fact, you have to invite. Because I had a friend that went through it again yeah. a couple of years later or a different friend. But like he described like they're like, now everyone go and call your friends. Yeah. Like in the middle of like a, you know, maybe a 17 oh, Like hour, right now. Right like, now. Go here you go. It. Go call your friends. Because I had those calls from people over the yeah. years. And it's like, hey, it's like 11 o'clock at night and you're like. What's going on Tuesday? Like, why do I have to be there? Like, are you okay? Yeah. You know, because there's a little bit of a frantic. You're graduating? Frantic. You're a grown up. From what? Are you, what? what? <laughs> like, literally, because it's like, there's more questions than there are answers. Like, yeah. what are you? Like, you know, it's like cough twice if your life is in risk. Um, so anyways, I went with her to this thing. And there's like a bunch of people speaking kind of abstractly about how this has like been the biggest breakthrough of their lives. Yada, yada, yada. But then this is the thing that creeped me out. I don't know if you've done it. You no, because have. I have said. Uh, I love you. I support you. Go do that. I'm not coming to your graduation. Because you knew what it was. I know what it is. Because you had background in it. I had no idea I was walking to. I thought I was going to yeah. see Colin Powell speak um, or someone. So that's the, what like, it was. Like, you went to a graduation. That was the speaker you went to? That's what you go see. Because that's what, then after the speakers happen. And I thought the speakers were interesting. And it's a lot of this like, um, don't, don't, don't tell, you know, don't tell yourself the story that you're not hearing. It's a lot of these kind of like double yeah, speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's, you know, basically it's like, you know, positive self talk, I guess. If it helps people, yeah. it's wonderful. Yeah. I don't, you know, if you can better your life and through the tools that you have paid someone to teach you, great. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, don't ask me to come to the. The graduation. Yeah. Well, here's the new. So then this is the new twist is that then the speaker happens like, all right, everybody, 
we're going to break up into breakup groups down in the basement and um, just come with us in the basement and, um, you know, we're going to do some classes. And I'm like, what? Wait, What's what? <laughs> and, and then this is where it gets really creepy. So you go down to some like church basement in these different rooms and you're in a room with like 15 other kind of like bewildered people. And they're like, uh, and they tell you before the little mini lecture starts, like, just, you know, Dave is standing at the door there because we really want you to be focused here. And so if you need to go to the bathroom, Dave will walk you to the bathroom because we don't like door slamming. We hate the sound of door slammings. It really disrupts people. So if you need to go to the bathroom and we really don't want you to do that because they don't want people to run out of there, which is my first thought was like, yeah. But of course, I've always had a bit of like an anti-authoritarian streak. I was like, "Um, I, I need to go to the bathroom. And she was literally like, Really? I, we just said you're not supposed to go to the bathroom. I'm like, I need to go. And they're like, <laughs> all right, go ahead. And like someone escorts you to the bathroom, waits outside the bathroom while you go to the bathroom. Oh, my God. And then they lead you back into the room. So it's, it's a very like subtle amount of, or oh, not so subtle amount God, of pressure. Dave. And and the, the weird thing to me was like the concepts discussed in these seminars. I was like, oh, that's interesting. And I, I like I felt like actually fundamentally interesting concepts. Yeah, But they with are. this shrink wrap of like heavy duty pressure sales i then at the end they like basically put your pen like they're like sign they're, up yeah for right they, it's like right now sign up now $100. sign up now to invest you, in what yourself are you from? What, what are you, you hiding yeah, yeah what are you hiding from invest in yourself do it now you can't invest a hundred dollars yeah. in yourself i don't understand i'm so good because like you it so seems, you don't you hate yourself yeah <laughs> you know it's that kind of stuff and so that really that to me and i guess is a good you know for for the first episode of this this podcast or at least with a guest um, but that is to me the worst side of the self-help. Yeah, industry. but the good side of it and what I got at home through my family, through my parents who were uh, invested in that and invest in, you know, deep in their new age philosophies was like you create your own reality. You can do anything you want to do in this right. world. You have to work hard and you have to focus and you should, you know, we would if something happened, they would. You know, we'd like process it and talk about how may I contributed to the this emotional event, how they contributed, how somebody, you know, that it's you had to own your own shit. Everything is kind of your own. It's sort of like it's all your own fault. It's all your own making. Like, yeah. well, you know, there's the one that, you know, if you just have a bunch of assholes in your life all the time, guess who the one common denominator is? Right. Why are you right. investing your time in this energy? Why, you know, uh create a different reality yeah. for yourself. So that was a... And those it, are the principles they talked about when I was in this thing. I was just like, but I was also being held there captive. <laughs> you know? So like, like what a bad way. Like, why can't you just recruit out of attraction as opposed to manipulation and, and pressure? Yeah. Um, obviously, it probably works, right? You know, they probably figured out that like putting someone in a room where you can't go to the bathroom. And then and, a lot of times people go, they get, you know... Because that energy is so addictive mm. where, you know, there's times in your life and that will happen, on, on, you know, without that, where you're so productive and I'm like burning through my checklist and I'm getting yeah. stuff done and I'm taking meetings and I'm making calls and I'm like the mom of the year. And it's a high. You really yeah. do get a high from that. And if that happens right after those seminars, for most people, that's when that, when yeah. you are super focused on your goals and your, um, and your drive is there and then it starts to fade. So yeah, then yeah. they sign up for the next course and they kind of lead, get pulled into this full self-help world. Yeah. I mean, I've had, I mean, I've had friends that, that went through that program who have even become trainers in that program. Yeah, for sure. And now we're out of it. 
I'm um, I can do it because my dad because of my dad I our family is able to do it with no cost. Oh, really? And I'm the only one in my family who hasn't done it. And it's now, but it's what is called the landmark forum. Yeah, the forum. Okay, but so I could I do thought, the I forum. Was like, I thought it was like a ripoff of Est. No, no, no. no the forum bought Est. Okay. So they, acquired, they monetized you know? it. Yeah. Well, um, Est was a, was a money-making machine before, but it was just like, this is the new iteration of it, and they use kind of the same materials. And it is, it does seem like a theme of their, their format. It's like kind of like they keep you up for 18 hours, and you're just like, screaming at the top of your lungs and you're like you know you're kind of it's almost like to have you it's almost a force like an AA they call like um, hitting rock bottom right yeah just sort of where you then have an epiphany like things gotta change like they're almost yeah. trying to create that it seems like or trying to create sort of a a traumatic moment or a breakthrough moment in a weekend so that you're then like you know I think there's, yeah. a, there's a value to like snapping because like I don't know like, have you ever gone to therapy like I've had like I've yeah. been a therapist over the years or whatever where you like Uh, like he just keeps asking me questions and I'm like, we're not talking about how to solve anything. So like, I know I don't like that. And I could almost see the attraction of like, let's do And I think Tony Robbins pretty much does. Yeah. Right. You're solving stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And they're giving you the tools to do it. So that, I mean, that's my background. So I don't do, I don't have a, like a set organizational tools that I do. I just know what I need to do in my life so that I don't spin out of, Control. Out of control or just my thing is like combating laziness. Yeah. Like I just get, I'm like, I'll take, I'll just take so many naps. <laughs> well, that's good. I mean. from <laughs> the sleepy people, Jeff. I had to um, wake you up when I arrived. I was like, Aaron, it's 930. Are you yeah, already taking a nap? No. Um, no, but I mean, like my own thing is, it's interesting because I go through stretches as any actor does if you where you don't work sometimes for months yeah and then you get a little depressed and I just have like my tricks to so that I don't dip into deep depression deeper depression you know or just what is that I mean that for you like basically I better go to the gym and exercise it honestly is that that's what I mean I'm prone to like my whole family is bipolar I have I, I feel like maybe I'm more deal with anxiety yeah. But, like, that's kind of, like, the cousin of, anxi- of like, depression. Yeah. And and totally like you. Like, I'm, like, a writer. Like, I often have weeks where I'm working from home. Like, the yeah. 3 o'clock nap, that can be easily, like, maybe I'll take, like, a two-hour nap at 3. Right. <laughs> you know? And then maybe <laughs> maybe I'm done for the day. Yeah. But, um, and I get caught in um, – it's tricky because balancing all of the creative stuff with a family life and – parenthood and all of that like you're trying to cram all this activity between 8 and 2 p.m yeah and is that like, how do you that's when your kids get home from you know you're like you got to pick them up at like 2 30 or something right you know so like drop them off go to the gym go to the grocery store come home try to get some work done if there's right. work to be done you know like or be create or if you're writing something like oh all right drop off the kids hit up a coffee shop, like quick, think of something, like be creative, be good. And then also hit the grocery store, come home, drop it all off, go pick up the kids, do the after school activities. And then I guess, you know, make a dinner, do. It's crazy. It's crazy. And then when you, and then when I work, things get thrown a little bit into a tizzy because we don't, you know, we don't have any help really. We've got a babysitter that we 
used sometimes, right. but we didn't, we never had a nanny or anything. So it's like a day to day who's picking up, who's dropping off. I mean, and there's no, and I think like any creative career is almost, you can almost guarantee there's no consistency unless you're like an author or something. Yeah. You may, you may be working on a TV show for three weeks and then you might be off for four months and then you might have to go to Vancouver to shoot a movie. And like, so yeah, I, I would imagine like that's the hardest part of all that. It's hard and it puts a lot of strain on my husband because yeah. he's a good dad and he wants to be present and he picks up a lot of the slack. He's got a full-time job. Yeah. You know, I'm, he's up at, he's out of the house at six, but he can be home in three at three because he works construction, but it's a full-time job. And then he's comes home and makes dinner and does the after school activities and, you know, is in charge of the construction on our house. Like it's a lot. It puts a lot of strain on things and then we plan things and then you have to scramble because all of a sudden your plans change. Right. You get a job. Do you still have a lot of auditions? Is that, I mean, yeah, is that like, it, well, does, does that happen a, a lot or not? Really? I'm at a, this really strange level where there's some stuff that, like, I don't care. I'll mostly audition for anything, but the people, like agents and managers, they don't, you know, they don't want you, don't you want going you, in. You yeah. don't, shouldn't go in at a certain point and audition for a, like a one episode guest star. Yeah, That's they, where they're no like. tape that they can figure out. Yeah, you or not. yeah, exactly. So the auditions have definitely slowed down. It's more stuff where it's like a recurring arc or it's a movie or it's a right. series regular on a TV show. So I'll have times in, of the year that are really busy and then times where it feels like absolutely nothing is happening, which right. doesn't mean that conversations about work and casting me Weirdly, you're like aren't less happening. privy to it. Because like I, I still audition a lot. I'm not like I'm kind of at the level where I have to audition for almost everything I get, maybe aside from like small yeah. parts in indie films. Um, but that's also like, so I, and I'm also a writer and a director and then I have like, you know, work, I work for like Fox. I do like an ongoing, like branded content thing, but like auditions are just this constant landmine of like eight o'clock. Hey, can you do this like 12 page scene tomorrow at 10 a.m.? Right? Yeah. And you have to like drop everything you have planned that night, prepare that thing, do it. You know, usually walking out of the room feeling like I'm an idiot. That was terrible. Or, you know, whatever that kind of like, it's like the worst process ever. Yeah. Um, or they're like, get a self tape together. And then you're like, oh God, right. Who's who calling all of my emailing, all my actor friends, like who is free on a Tuesday at 2 PM to like come and sit with me for an hour, for an hour, an hour and a half to get this all together and go over this with me. I've got like my couple go-to people. Um, yeah, it throws everything off, but it does at least feel, especially like since I haven't since it's a little slower audition wise, right. it actually, it, I'm like, well, at least I'm doing something. In a weird way, it's, it's probably, Oh, how nice. I don't have to do these auditions on another level. You have no idea that there might be like, your manager's not calling every, every time that someone inquires about you. No, because they don't want to be, get your hopes up yeah, on exactly. something that doesn't, that doesn't come through. Yeah. So, in terms of balance, like, so are you like, so you're not like a checklist person or a task list person or like, like you don't use like a planner? I don't use a, I have a calendar that my daughter's orthodontist gave me that I need. <laughs> I don't want to brag, but I get a lot of free stuff for being a celebrity. Dr. Milton Chan gave me a calendar. Um, 
a I, that's like tower? honestly no, no it's like a carrier whatever this is mm. like my planner but I don't use like any electronic planners or stuff you don't I use do, like a digital calendar I don't use a digital calendar I don't wow. like them I don't know why Mm, no. I like to physically write things down and the act of writing it down means I probably won't actually look in the calendar to see what I've got going on that day. Right. But because there's like a proven link that if you write something, handwrite something, it yeah. actually sticks in your brain in, in a way that like typing it would not. No. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. That was how I got through college. I just rewrite my notes three times and then you're done. You know it all. You don't have to study. Right. Um, but I do that. And then I'm a checklist person like on days that I actually need to get stuff done. And, like, we're talking, like, grab an envelope, a piece of paper. Like, just a piece of paper, whatever, the and back like, of something. And, here's 15 things i got to do today. Yeah. But you don't set goals for yourself or you don't, like, oh, this year I want – this this year I want to do these five things or – Did I should? No, I don't know. Maybe you don't need to. Well, no, but – Some people have a really strong internal compass on those things. Yeah. And I'm someone that, like, if I don't kind of have that stuff, like – like, I could have entire projects that I kind of drift off of because I get excited about other things. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm supposed to finish that script. I mean, so for me, because I'm pretty ADD, grew up that way, like, I need, like, the kind of structure of, like, write a list every day. And then I cross out everything and I transfer it to another list. Or, yeah. Um, or if I don't put it in a calendar, I will definitely forget about it. I would probably get – have things further along in the creative projects that I'm trying to start myself if I did stuff like that. Yeah. And it's t- – but I think – then you run up against what I keep running up against is the fear of never having done stuff like that before. Right. So I'm like, well, who am I to do this? Who am I to say that I want this? Like you, put you, it out there. You feel, and, you you know? feel guilty. Like you, we were saying that you're writing a script right now or written a yeah. script um, that you're trying to like get financed and um, made. So if there's any film financiers out there, <laughs> contact Seriously, Aaron Hayes. But no, I, I mean, no, I mean, I went through the same thing as a director. I was never a director. At yeah. point, some point I was like, I, I think I want to be a director. And that same kind of uh, imposter syndrome sneaks in of like, well, why, why would you be a director? You don't know what you're talking about. I never went to film school. or Yeah. Um, I mean, is that what you're talking about? Like, is it sort of a self-doubt? or I think that. <laughs> I think it's more of a self-doubt. And then it's easier. And then you just, I'm like, oh, well, yeah, sure. I need financing for this film. But I really need to write another draft. And then life gets in the way and day right. to day and this and that. And um, and it's easy not to just – but, I mean, if I, that's what I'm thinking. Like if I actually did write down like these goals. larger goals, not um, my daily to-do and pay bills and all of right. that kind of stuff, then maybe, so maybe it would be just more of a daily reminder to get these things done. Well, I will say from my experience that – I do think there is a – there's a good book you could read called The Power of Habit. Mm-hmm. Have you ever stumbled across that? A guy named Charles Durig, I think it is. I mean, I know what the book is, but no, I have not read it. It was – like it was, I read it like five, six years ago, and it was the book that kind of changed how I – because I used to be kind of like we were saying, like like kind of like kind of a little bit like where the breeze blows, I'll just kind of do those things. And, and yeah. that's been pretty good. Like I got films made. I've gotten things done. Um, but this book basically – it's basic tenet is like if you have something you want to get done, you should probably make it like even if it's like five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, 20 minutes a day. Just try to do it a little bit every day. Yeah. And sort of like a drop in a bucket, um, you know, eventually yeah. like, oh, wow, the bucket's full. Um, so you can take that one. You I will take, 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 that a, one. take a look at that one. It's interesting um, too. the landscape of the industry now is such that you kind of <laughs> I'm realizing like, oh, all right. Well, I didn't. 
I'm not super young anymore, starting out in Hollywood, although I'm considering <laughs> being an ingenue next year, Jeff, going back to that. Um, the things that I thought were going to hit didn't hit. So it's like, oh, all right, well, is like, it okay anymore to just want to be an actor? Like, or do you yeah. have to do the other stuff so that you can go to the next step as an actor? Like, you kind of have to get a project made and direct it or create your own right. thing, write it to so that you put it out there in the world to hopefully then get the next step, open some other doors and maybe find a new passion within well, that. I think you would, if you made like your own indie film and you went to a few of the film festivals with us, like on yeah. a disaster, like I think you would actually probably find it, it would open a lot of doors for you. Cause I think it just goes, Oh, She's like an indie person, and all of a sudden people start thinking, I, I, I don't, it may open a lot of doors, I don't pay you like, you, it may end up that you book 15 films on a roll that pay you like $150 a day, you know? So maybe <laughs> be careful yeah. what you ask for. Um, but no, I think that you're someone that I think you, it might have opened actually quite a few doors, maybe not economically, but creatively. Or, yeah. um, but also like, you also could be the kind of thing like, because it is the thing like, well, you have a, a happy home you have a uh, kids you it's a little like, terrifying right to like think, do you want all that do you want well, to do like i want the work that's yeah. the thing i want to work until i'm old right. i just this is what i love doing and it's not i don't want the i'm interested in character stuff and stories and so it's it's not i think you age into that yeah. there's no there's no cutoff point for that even though like the whisper of hollywood just starts to creep in <laughs> over your neck of like why so fucking old um <laughs> but where was i going with this uh but it's that's another part of the fear of like oh shit so say you're getting into this little like you want to make a film right and i know because i've seen it with friends of how intense it is and how much you will not see your family for months you yeah. you are you have to give it your blood sweat and tears and I keep, it's this weird push and pull because I'm like, this is my children's, this is their childhood. Right. If yeah. you're not there for it, you're just not there for it. So trying. But that's got to be a t tug and pull that every parent, right? Every parent, yeah. And I think, I mean, the reason I had you on the show, and if we can get to it too, I'd love to talk about some of your parenting skills. I think you guys are tremendous parents. Thank and, you. Um, and I think you guys really do balance it the right way. Um, but yeah, if you, it's like, oh, but shouldn't I want, like, cause you kind of, let's say it is true that you need to like direct your own film or make your own projects. Like, but it is like at what expense? At what expense? Yeah. Yeah. And I have been pushing it away, I think, because my kids were too young, but it's starting to feel like, all right, we could, we could handle this at these ages. You can have, more complex conversation. They're nine and 11, so we can have complex conversations with them. And they're still kids. And they've got strong feelings and that are valid. And I remember when my mom like went to, my dad was kind of always uh, gone working, doing what he did, but my mom was home. And when she went to work, it like broke me. It, it oh, might've yeah. been six months, honestly, that she was gone at bedtimes. And it broke me uh, for those six months. And I... And that's very much part of the choices that I now make 
in terms of work. Like and I don't want to be with you so gone. much so that you don't want to put your kids through that. Yeah, it was really intense when I was doing Kevin Can Wait because it was in New York and you don't move your family for a first season of a show because who knows, you could have been on in September, canceled in October. Right. Um, but I was gone for two or three weeks and then I'd be home for a week and then gone two or three weeks, home for a week. They'd come out and visit sometimes, but it was our first experience like and that. that was for what, six months? Eight months. Eight months. That's a long time. This is a long time. So season two, really you're like, we can't do this again. No, we're moving. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it was intense, and and it kind of brought up all this stuff of like, this isn't the parent that I want to be. Yeah. You know, it's not the person that I want to be. There's that. I think when I make decisions, I'm trying to think of that deathbed, <laughs> like not not to be morose, but the right. deathbed of like, what do you want? How do you want to feel? Right. When when you go, when you move on to the next part of this whole thing is, do you want to look at a, a tray of awards and accomplishments? Like, yeah, sure, maybe some of that would be nice. Maybe some, right. maybe some kudos. But well, like, honestly, I want yeah. fa- friends. I want family and friends and things to be like, you know, you gave you gave love. You did good. Like you, thank you for what you what you gave to other humans that you interacted with. Right. And parenting is a big part of that. Like, we made this choice, so we should step up and do, do it. it. Well, I mean, that's interesting. It is interesting. I think there is this perception. There are there, there do seem to be some sort of, like, mutant people that can sort of, like, do the kids, do the career, do the thing. You know, I, but I always think that upon further investigation, you usually find out that there's, like, there's a team of nannies, you know? A team of nannies. But there's also this beautiful thing in show business where you work, 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 and then you're off. Right. So you can be with your kids all day long. You right. know, you can be a super parent while you're there. And um, you can't plan that time is the this, this crappy part. I yeah. mean, you can't be like, oh, I only want to work in, you know, these months and I want summer. You know, that is a challenge, right? You can't just say, I'm not working for three months. Or yeah. do you? I mean, have you I don't really know. Done? Well, not willingly. Um, <laughs> it, it sort of, it's it's sort like of a forced a, hiatus. But that, that's the challenge of a creative career or like in this industry is like your time off isn't like a fun time time off because it's a little bit like anxiety time. Like, yeah. am I going to work again? Is this it? Like, I mean, I've heard like Al Pacino talk about like after a film at age 80, he's like, maybe this is the last time they're ever going to call. Yeah, and but I don't like, feel. How does he have that anxiety? I know, but don't you kind of call bullshit on Al Pacino saying that? Because I'm like, yeah, I get it. Like, yeah, at, uh, at some point you're kind of at like third then. lead on a on a uh, stars show getting canceled. Yeah, you're gonna freak out that you're never gonna work again. But like, it doesn't comfort me to hear that Al Pacino. Does. I don't know why I'm like, no, but it, Ugh, it does bullshit. Seem like Just because you haven't I... picked the right project yet, but you could work it as much as you want, Al Pacino. I de- well, I, I, maybe it is. You, you hear more. Maybe there, it's a, a form of false humility, so that's possible. Yeah. But I do think at some weird level, everyone's a little neurotic about like, um, you know. I bet you he yeah. hears there are tons of people that will say Al Pacino hasn't done a good movie in ten years, and yeah. I'm sure he hears that. You know, or like people like Robert De Niro's, his he's over. You know, or, you know, and it's like, I, I imagine we're all human beings to some extent. Like as those guys are. Particularly if you're an actor, like sensitivity is actually probably a required trait yeah. of the. So you're probably overly sensitive to like criticism and you're overly sensitive yeah. to like, there's a reason a lot of actors are difficult because, like, what, you know, because that sensitivity that lets you have this emotional range yeah. can often be the sensitivity that makes you like, 
Wait, a little wait, crazy. Wait, wait, what'd you say? Like, yeah. you know, um, a little prickly. A little prickly. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, doing Dangerous Book for Boys. Brian Cranston, he honestly said he doesn't ever read reviews, good or bad, he doesn't read them. And me and Christy Montabalis, who played the, like, my dead husband and then the twin brother of that were like, oh, wow. And then afterwards, I was like, I read every single one. And he goes like, me of too. Course. I just go down the rabbit hole. We were commiserating like how, what it, we don't have that kind of self-control. It's just like, I'll read the good, I'll read the bad, I'll go, I'll read the like the user reviews. Like it's terrible. But I wonder if that's always, I mean, like I think once you do a Breaking Bad and a show is like cultural saturation, at some yeah. point to read every review would take, that would be all your time. Whereas, like, for right. me, it's like, oh, I made a film. Oh, a review came in. Yeah, and right? Then, and then, like, the first bad one comes in, and you're like, what? Yeah, no, right. no, no, that's not fair. You know, or... They just didn't get it. They didn't, no, they don't. Like, why, why does this guy hate me so much? Um, no, I, I, don't, I don't think I'd have that level of restraint. No, um, I don't. I should, because it, it's, it's... I understand it. You have to people... You have to find ways in this industry to protect yourself, Um from I think particularly being for women too. Constantly rejected. I, I think less in like professional reviews, but I think like for women in social media, like I can't believe sometimes that like it'll be like uh, there'll be an like there's usually read about this Millie Bobby Brown thing. Oh, it's terrible. It was like it was like actually kind of like a, I, like the most ironic joke of all time that she's like a, a Nazi, right? Was that they were saying? Was that what it was? They yeah, were, they were. Be, was like, it was almost like how could you know? Yeah, the joke being like. This innocent girl is clearly not a full-blown, oh, no, homophobe. Homophobe. That's what it was, But she's right? 14 or 15 years old. Of course she's not, like, getting the joke. And, and then at some point, people that don't know the joke actually think she is. And then— Even know, if she was knew the joke the whole time, it's still just cruel. And it was, like, billions—well, maybe not billions, but millions of people, like, reposting, tweeting. And then she leaves social media. And then when she leaves social media, she said something, you know, like, about fanboys. And then they're like— the spew, the the like, yes. there is definitely a problem with like men of us like under the age of 30, 40 who seem to really hate women, and, yeah. and it really manifests in social media. It does. I haven't gotten that much of it, thankfully. Yeah. You know, I'm still like coasting at this like night. Whatever the whole social media thing, it makes it's gross. I was trying to explain to somebody the other day. Even just like, oh, no, he's really popular. And I almost said he has this many followers and was like, nope, nope, no, yeah. no, no. Yeah. Just keep it at he's really popular. I don't want to engage in that metric system uh, of Are you popularity. On, on I'm on Twitter. there. And like, it's, but I don't, I don't think I have enough of the followers to get the cruelty. I don't, right. or, I, I'm, or I'm or, older and... It, age might have something to do with it. Where, like, where, where it would happen, I think, is if you were like to play like a comic book hero, and then people don't think you're the right type for it. Oh, like, God. there's a lot of that stuff that goes on. Like, yeah. Or like, anytime there's been a female reboot of a project, like the oh, Ghostbuster God. situation, or like there was um, a couple other times where a char- like they maybe change a character to a female. These guys lose it. Like, yeah, because like, it's their world, and you're like you don't belong in right. their world and they have all to say. For Ghostbusters, like who who holds up Ghostbusters as if it's some sort of holy grail of entertainment? I mean, it's like, there was like one good one and then two bad ones and then like, it was like, it's like, really? Like you're, you're like, like point of like freak out is on Ghostbusters? Ghostbusters? Like they made, a, yeah. they made a couple of really crappy ones, guys. I think there was just two. There wasn't a third Ghostbuster. There wasn't a third one? No, right? 
Well, the second one was pretty awful. Yeah, I still like it. Okay. Maybe we disagree. And I never, <laughs> I never, I never saw the all-female version of it. But oh, you like, didn't? It's wonderful. Do you know when it came out? Oh, God, no, I remember the, all It was that. the yeah. most negatively reviewed trailer of all time. Like, <sighs> maybe it wasn't a great trailer. It certainly wasn't the worst trailer ever released. But it was obviously this weird misogyny that... Yeah. I don't know where that's coming from. But, um, so yeah. Um, well, we're at about an hour. All right. Um, we did it. Anything else that you want to talk about? Or anything else you can think of? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's interesting to talk to somebody about the only other thing that that I think goes with like self-care and things like that is I've talked a lot with other actors about the waiting game and how you, how to be happy in your day-to-day when your only job is to wait for this thing to come out you know or to wait until you hear about something and all this hope that you have in your body right. and how to like push it aside or i mean listen to listen to it but then also push it aside so that you can just be present even though all of your mind it's like oh well when we go to season 2 and we'll be doing this like right. just be here and and right. i don't i still don't know how to do it well i think everyone's waiting and i think on a macro level we're all waiting for i just want to get to that place where i'm like a director or an actor or someone that like like who do we perceive to have it? Like if if I could just have the career of, of Wes Anderson yeah. or P.T. Anderson or any of the Andersons. P.T. Um, no, but you, there's a perception that like there's a certain point you get to where like you can make a movie every year. Or there's a certain place you get to as an actress where like I'll work. I don't know what that will be. But like Julianne Moore's career is probably like would be oh, a good God. spot to be. Right. It's like you're probably like I'm going to do like a few well curated projects a year. Maybe or Catherine Hahn. Catherine Hahn, I am in love she's, with her career. And a, almost every single performance she's ever given. Yeah. But she's a perfect example of like, oh, she's this indie queen. but And she works with, but then she also does big budget movies. Yeah. And then she does funny guest arcs on on good shows or, you know. And, and everybody wants and to work with her because she's so talented. And she's probably a bit more charactery than you. Uh, Yeah, a little bit, bit, but then a lot of stuff she does is definitely not character. It's, I mean, it's that's an interesting person because I also think she's not a household name. Like, I think actually Catherine Hahn can have the kind of life where she could walk through Echo Park or Highland Park and like she's not mobbed with people bothering her. Yeah, but she's been in a lot of recognizable stuff. So she might be. I I, I guess some of those big budget comedies all of a sudden become you become like ubiquitously. Yeah, she was in like Step Brothers and. Um, but yeah, that's interesting. That's, um, is that something like if you were to say like, give me that career, that would be like. 100%. Yeah. It's yeah. like, um, just to be the funny lady in all. Just to be, well, and not even, I mean, like I love Dick. She's fantastic. A transparent. Mm. She's fantastic. I see that. All of those, those type of projects where you're doing these projects with really creative, um, talented writers who have a, a knack for story and dialogue and it's compelling and it's real. And then you also go off and do We're the Millers as a yeah. you and Nick Offerman and a van like that are right. really funny and big. Uh that's I would love to be there. Oh yeah. And I think I mean I think I had ambitions of that. Like, you know, when we were starting when we made a movie like It's a Disaster. Yeah. Like so it was a comedy group with me and Kevin and Todd and and Blaze, you know, there's a thought like, oh, maybe we'll be like the next uh, Jodapato gang. Right, yeah. And then like 10 years later, you're like, oh, that, 
that didn't, like, that didn't that, really happen. That, that didn't really happen. Um, and then like, <laughs> but the, yeah, right. But that's what it is: is this series of like, this is gonna be huge, yeah, or nothing. Most likely nothing. nothing. <laughs> well, that and, and that's one of those movies that people come up to me and be like, "Why didn't anything happen to you after that movie?" And right. I'm like, Great question. I had a kid I, I worked with on AP Bio who's super nice, who like a, came on for the guest of mine star. From Pat, Pat o, or Michael O'Connor. Yeah. Yeah. But there was one of the the uh, actors playing the kids, and he was like, "It's a disaster," and he starts quoting lines that I don't even remember, like yeah. you know. And I'm like, "Oh, that's oh my god." You know, it had like a weird college like Netflix yeah. surge at one point because there's a lot of like. Kids that are like under the age of twenty-seven. I thought he was way too young to know it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's really young. What you're talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I guess that's uh, to wrap up. Watch it's a disaster on Hulu, and I <laughs> think that's the, the whole point of this podcast. The, right? the dangerous book of boys. Is that your <laughs> dangerous is that book for boys? For yeah, boys. is out there to watch on Amazon. Can girls watch it too? Then girls can watch it too. That's it's nice. really a f- nice, sweet family show. All right. You know, I went to go see the Won't You Be My Neighbor yesterday, and it reminded me a little bit of Dangerous Book for Boys, that their programming can, for kids can be real, can talk about real life and real struggles, and then have some comic moments. And, you know, that Mr. Rogers, like, whole vibe of, like, slow TV, like, you know right right yeah how long was that show how many was that an hour long show no it was a half an hour there's there's six episodes half hour show I watched all those as a kid and I that's the movie that like right that I'm like oh sorry I thought you were talking about Dangerous Book for Boys oh no I don't remember about (laughs) Mr. Rogers if it was an hour a half an hour it felt like kind of like it was like just on for hours as a child but I don't but the the weird thing might have just been because you actually watched him take off his shoes right put on his shoes tie his shoes you know well I was always like terrified too when they were like there's a Mr. Rogers movie coming out and I was like oh no really oh, is it gonna be yeah. oh it's like is he a child molester or, yeah. you know just assume but it's like quite the the movie is no, all about like beautiful. just like what a beautiful man this was and yeah it is one of the shames of like modern day life is like <laughs> any man that expressed interest in working with children there's just this shadow of like oh what's that oh, really God. about yeah. oh. but the movie's great yeah, it was wonderful. It's like a nice reminder to connect with people and be kind and kindness, kindness and love. It's sad that I've been wanting to see that movie for the last few weeks. I'm like, well, but there's like this like new like tag movie I'll go see instead. Like, what? which I also hear is hilarious. Um, all right, we'll go see. see it all. Won't you be my neighbor? Yeah. See Aaron Hayes in a dangerous book for boys, or it's a disaster. And Aaron, thank you for Hi. being my first guest. Thanks, Jeff, it's for having me. It's been a great time talking to you. Yeah.